If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to One to One, a series in which I, Bertie, a longtime writer for Eurogamer, find interesting people from around the world of games for a proper chat. Remember, supporters of the Eurogamer website get these episodes two weeks before everyone else, which is nice. Head over to Eurogamer.net to find out more. Today on One to One, two people who I think it's fair to say shaped video gaming, a husband and wife team whose graphical adventure game Mystery House in 1982 would kickstart a games-making colossus that would bring us seminal adventure series like King's Quest, audacious full-motion video games like Phantasmagoria, the cheeky Leisure Suit Larry, and so many more. From two people in 1982, they'd grow to nearly a thousand over a decade later. They are the creators of Sierra Online, Ken and Roberta Williams. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I, I like that introduction. That sounded, I, that, that sounded very, uh, very nice. Thank you. Very honored. <laughs> My pleasure. So we're just seeing Ken at the moment. Roberta is there. She's in the background. She's actually feeding their dogs at the moment. How many dogs do you have, Ken? Uh, we have two dogs, um, Keely and Pixel, and um, they may drop by at some point. You never know, but they um, they have traveled with us. We're actually on a boat. I'm talking to you from our uh, boat and using a uh, Starlink for internet. So we'll see how our connection goes. Fantastic. Uh, I was secretly hoping you would be on your boat and talking to me from your boat because um, I read that you do a lot of boating. Also, I was reading about an adventure or misadventure where Pixel, your dog, went missing in the yeah. boatyard. Well, you thought she'd gone missing in the boatyard and then you eventually found her back in the boat, but she's safe and sound. Safe but and it was sound. a lovely long story that you'd written. Um, so whereabouts are you on your boat at the moment? Yeah, we're not that far from home. Our, our, our home is in Seattle, and we're only about uh, 80, 90 miles north up on the Canadian border. We were planning on being cruising, but uh, we're working hard this year on a game. And uh, we tried to work on the game while at anchor. And it's Starlink, which I think <laughs> is kind of revolutionary and the best thing ever happened to boaters, doesn't work that great when you're sitting at anchor because the uh, wind moves uh -huh. the boat around. And the uh, Starlink will try to readjust to find satellites, but if the boat moves uh, suddenly from side to side, you lose connection. And when you're trying to work with a uh, remote team on Microsoft Teams all day, um, it doesn't <laughs> help to constantly be losing internet. So uh, this year, you know, it's all about the game and uh, that's our lives. And it meant we kind of had to come back into port so that we could have the boat in one place and not they lose an internet connection all the time. Yeah, oh. right. So you're, you're back making games. And this is a remarkable thing because when you both walked away from games in the 90s, you really did walk away. In fact, I've read that you never so much as even played one or, or even looked at one from what I understand. Is that right? Yeah, it is right. We, um, I think mean, some of it was just we're pretty uh, highly focused. When we decide to do something, that, that's what we're thinking. You know, and trying to divide 
when when we left gaming, we uh, kind of got busy on boating and became um, semi-famous, I guess, in boating communities. I wrote four or five books about boating, and we circumnavigated a small boat. I got a U.S. and European captain's license. I got uh, diesel engine certified and electronic certified and electrician certified. And because if you're in the middle of the ocean and the boat breaks, you're kind of like toast. Uh, there's Roberta behind me. I'll, I'll turn the computer, hopefully. There you see her. She's much shorter than I am. But uh, that, uh, anyway, I, that's a long answer to a short question. So, I, like you said there, you circumnavigate. I, I heard that you sailed across the Atlantic and up into the Bering Sea. That must have been quite the adventure. What was that like? Uh, it's scary. You know, it was uh, Roberta is the adventure person in the family, and I'm kind of the uh, computer hacker. And when she said, let's go across the Bering Sea, I just assumed that we were going to die. <laughs> And uh, when we left port for the last time, I kept telling everybody goodbye, thinking I'd never see him again, because um, it's wow. kind of scary. I mean, if you've ever seen that uh, Deadliest Catch show or something, and probably things could have gone wrong, but we actually hit the one summer in the Bering Sea that was nice and calm, and we did very well. And uh, we had a few exciting moments, but in general, it turned out to be anticlimactic. And um, well, plus we prepared a lot. So we had a, we kind of had our act together. It's not something I'd recommend to everybody, but uh, we spent a year getting ready, and it turned out well. So. was it just you? Was it just you two? There was no one, no one else. Well, for normally it's just us, but for that particular run, because we were going from uh, here to uh, Japan and then down to Taiwan and Hong Kong and kind of all over, we decided to. Um, bring a few extra people onto the boat. And I hired an Alaskan yeah. fisherman that runs a crab boat to be on the boat with us and act as kind of tour guide. And uh, we traveled with two other uh, boats that were couple operated. And uh, so it was three boats. We called it the Great Siberian Sushi Run. Because and, we were going uh, to Japan. And it was very exciting. It was a great <laughs> run across the uh, Bering Sea and uh, the start of our, you know, our other journeys, most of which were just Roberta and I. And... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. It's a different adventure. We'd probably still be doing that. But, um, you know, when uh, COVID hit, we got stuck home. Right. And because we were sitting home, I wrote a book about Sierra. And the book about Sierra got me thinking about the game business. And, um, oh, after the book finished and COVID didn't finish, we uh, looked for some other project. And a game seemed, uh, and, and the game started with me thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be a two-week effort. And uh, I'll throw it in the can and show ah. it. That'll be it. But uh, so, suddenly it grew. So, that, yeah, so you yeah. had this. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. You had this idea. You you thought, oh, why don't we make a game? And when you turned to Roberta and said, I'm th I'm thinking that we could make a game. How did that go down? What, well, what did you know, she had at first she had no interest in getting involved or I didn't really want her right. involved. I was kind of looking forward to just being quiet and sitting at my computer and building the game with <laughs> uh, no pressure. I mean, part of what I didn't like about Sierra is that it got big enough that I became kind of a corporate bureaucrat and the days of okay. being able to um, uh, have a direct influence on a particular product went away. So it was kind of fun to kind of sit in a dark room and just build a game. But uh, 
I kind of got it mostly done, showed it to Roberta, and she said, well, that's really interesting, but it looks like crap. And if you actually publish that, then nobody will ever want to hear from us again. And, um, and also that, 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 of course, got me thinking, well, maybe I should release it under a pseudonym. But enough people uh, had heard that I was working on a game. I mean, the problem is, and it is a true story, that one person, especially uh, doing a big game, can't really do something that looks AAA quality all by themselves. Mm. And so Roberta got involved and, uh, you know, there's something called legacy, which is we have a bit of a legacy and people have high expectations for anything we do. For sure. And for us to release something that looks like garbage would be, um, well, it would hurt our legacy. Because, I mean, no matter how much you've done, you're only remembered for your last movie or your last book, your last record. And... Um, so Roberta got involved and uh, we started hiring people. And then suddenly we had uh, 29 full-time people and uh, we've been working on it uh, for uh, coming up on a year and a half. And uh, the game does wow. look beautiful. It will be a proper game. That uh, is what people would expect from us. So what was that feeling like um maybe maybe for you and also for Roberta coming back to games because you, you haven't really touched them and, and I read that you did a bit of research you know you played some games uh, and, and that you weren't that impressed <laughs> by all accounts but yeah. you've been away for you've been out of the game as it were for for a long time and then you come back to make it and you have like you said this legacy uh, these expectations uh, it, is that scary is that daunting at all well, you know, it's like riding a bike, though. I mean, uh, it, it really comes down to making people smile and entertaining them and keeping them, uh, uh, giving them a reason to sit at their computer or game machine and play. And uh, yeah, was I nervous? No, I was nervous about trying to put together a team to do a game and um, yeah, get enough people hired quick enough and being able to produce something that looked good enough to really, um, I, I knew we were going to, once we got involved, we were going to stick with it until we had something great because we didn't have the option not. And I didn't know if that was going to take one month or a year or two years, but we were going to, we were in. And once you're in, you got to kind of see it through to the other end. And that part worried me, but our ability to produce a great game that would entertain people um, I've, I've done that lots of times and maybe I'm overly cocky, but I got the, you know, I, I just had no doubt that we knew how to build a great game. I didn't know if we had the, um, well, it wasn't so much. I didn't know if we had it. I knew once we started, I mean, you know, it's like, once you jump off a cliff, you're, you're kind of like, you know, you're there and you got to do it. You got to kind of wait till you get to, you get to the bottom, whether you like it or not. And that's the, um, that's the, uh, the, the hell we created for ourselves. But, uh, but we're having fun and we're, we're getting close to the end now. So we're, we're pretty oh, exciting. Okay. And yes. Roberta's sitting here, like she wants to talk. No, so no. Do you, do you you're want to doing talk? a good job. Yeah, oh, good. She says I'm doing an okay job. <laughs> so I can go until you kick me out of the chair. So uh, what's this, what's this new cave story game going to be like? Because from what I've been reading cave story, uh, particularly I think for Roberta is this formative gaming experience, which starts the whole thing almost starts the whole journey the whole adventure so going back to it is this lovely kind yeah. of coming full circle but what are you doing it what are you doing to this old game what's it going to look like how's it going to play is it going to feel quintessentially uh, -huh. uh sierra or roberta williams in some way yeah what's happened what are you doing to it 
No, I mean, the game is going to feel like a pretty traditional Sierra adventure game. I think that's what people wanted us to do. Um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, way better. I mean, obviously we have 20 years newer technology that mm. we're working with. And so, you know, King's Quest 7 and King's Quest 8, we always tried to break new ground technologically. And when you look at King's Quest 8, it was maybe a little far ahead of its time because it was trying to do 3D at a time when the machines couldn't keep up. Yeah. And so now suddenly kind of that 3D immersive world where you're wandering, you know, through a world around you, um, the machine can do it. So it's the game that we wanted to produce back then. It couldn't do. And really, our hands haven't been tied at all, except for on uh, VR, where um, we're working with a uh, machine that's perhaps not as powerful as a super high-end PC. And uh, we hit frame rate issues, and we've had to do a lot of... Um, I wouldn't say cutting back as much as just adding months and months to the project in try, order to try to figure out how to deliver um, a something that would deliver the kind of frame rate that people need. Uh, and, and that, well, then Roberta, I mean, she spent, you know, Pete, uh, supporting virtual reality added a lot to the project. Roberta wound up spending a month just um, experimenting with different techniques of moving through the world to avoid mm. people getting sick. Because VR can be a challenge if you don't do it right with um, people who are overly sensitive to motion sickness. And we kind of lived motion sickness because, you know, we, we, we kind of lived four and five or six months a year on a boat. Mm. And we, we're all about, you know, the boat moving and we're in constant motion. So Roberta, when she started playing the game, and she, she can probably talk better about this than me. Uh, came at it from a boater's perspective where ah. you're moving through a world that is moving around you and how do you stop the um, motion sickness and so but that that and frame rate added a lot to the project but uh, overall though we've been able to do everything we wanted to do and it's been kind of fun it's like building a CR game but without the handcuffs <laughs> we uh, don't suddenly have yeah we don't have near the technical challenges we had I with uh, as I look back at Phantasmagoria and how we shot that, and I think about if we had had this kind of technology then, or King's Quest Eight, and uh, how we wanted this kind of technology and just couldn't get it done, and uh, and we picked a perfect game for um, for what we're doing. You know, it, it uh, showcases the game well. It's fun to play. So um, so I don't remember the question. I'll, I'll no, no, direction you want. What else did I tell you? <laughs> so, so you're you're 29 people. You've been working on it for, I think, a year and a half, you said, did you say? Yeah. And, and you're nearly... You're yeah, nearly... it's been kind of crescendoing. For the first six months or something, there was really just mm -hmm. a few of us. And then we started hiring, and then we realized it was never going to ship if we didn't get a lot more people and a lot better people. So, um, and we, you know, and, and, and COVID actually worked for us a little bit in that um, prior to... Uh, you know, the COVID generation, all of us, there really wasn't good desktop sharing. Right? Uh, Teams right. work. You know, I think, uh, you know, Slack was out there, Microsoft Teams were out there, but I don't think, and Zoom was out there, but I don't think everybody used it every day. And uh, suddenly uh, the desktop sharing has gotten so good that I was able to assemble a team quickly from all over the world with uh, the best 
you know, if, if I'd been in Oakhurst back when we were doing Sierra or even Seattle and tried to assemble a team of 30 people fast, yeah, I would have had to put each of them had to go through quitting their current company, relocating, um, finding a place to live. Uh, and then I would have been limited to just those that wanted to limit Seattle. But here I was able to scour the whole world, find the best animators that fit what we're trying to do, the best programmers. And, um, and we worked together closer than I think um, anyone at Sierra ever did because everybody on the project at any given moments can say, hey, take a look at this, play a part of the game. I could immediately reach onto their screen, help them debug something. And uh, it's kind of this great thing that never could have existed before. That is, uh, yeah, is for it? me, it's, it makes my life viable. I mean, part of the way we never did a game, I didn't want to um, sit still in one place. Roberta and I like to travel. Yeah. And, is it uh, nice to it. is it nice to be back? Is it nice to be doing this again? Because I saw you were, I think, doing the circuit. I saw a picture of you at GDC, I think. Is it yeah. is it nice to be mixing with the industry again and being a part of it all again? No. <laughs> no. I, well, I mean, <laughs> no. Yeah. It, uh, no, it... Um, you know, I, I, I really, I mean, you know, the truth is that I'm really happiest when I'm sitting trying to solve a program or do something cool nobody has seen before. Um, schmoozing and hanging out with people and chatting with people and, you know, none of that. I, I, that's just a personal issue. I just personally, okay. I, I like to do great things. I'll take my pleasure when people are playing the game and I see a smile. That's that's what that's what really counts. Um hanging out with gamers or hanging out with game, you know, it's the pleasure comes from building it, watching people play it, not from, um, not from the other stuff, or at least not for me. So. Yeah. I saw you both picked up. Um, I think it was a lifetime achievement award at the games awards in December though. That was an, must've been a uh -huh. nice moment. Yeah, it was. was that... We, um, I don't know. We, we, we've gotten so many awards. It's kind of funny that um, I can't say that we get. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's an honor. I mean, it's really an honor, but it's also kind of a, annoying sometimes because they call up and they say, can you come to New York to get a Lifetime Achievement Award? Can you come to Vegas? Can you come to San Francisco? And, um, you know, I guess we're at a point in the life where we want to do what we want to do when we right. want to do it. And, um, and we feel bad because you feel really terrible. Somebody calls you and they went to all the trouble to, and Roberta gets way more than I ever dreamed of. And I, <laughs> she's, she's the big winner in the family. She's got a uh, huge wall of trophies, kind of a bugger desk. And that's just the ones that we uh, accepted, and took the time to hang on to. So it's uh, no, I, I mean, it's an honor. I don't want to take anything away, but there are times when we actually feel kind of bad when somebody calls and says, uh, yeah, you, know, you did something really great, and we want you to uh, stand on a stage and accept this award. And yeah, that one, Jeff Keeley, he worked magic and taught me into coming. To it. <laughs> so, and it was cool. I mean, it was a neat feeling. So, but anyway, I, sorry, that's the answer to that question. Oh, it's I like it. It's refreshingly honest. Um, so this part of the podcast i kind of like to go back in time a little bit with people and kind of plot yeah. a little plot a line through their lives and and their careers and kind of see how they ended up here and and, and why maybe they made the things they did and, and and did the things they did so i don't know if this is a good moment to um maybe yeah, pass well, the headset that, that's great roberta material 
What? Berta, put the headset on and pick this <laughs> chair. Okay. And verify you can talk. And I'll get out of your way. Can you hear me okay? Um, I, I love. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Should I, I love like right here or get up here? Maybe in the chair if, if that's. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love that you have not word. heard. I love that you have not heard what we've been talking about. So this like some mystery oh, question I've... is about to be. Yeah, um, I didn't asked. hear. Um, so right. I was just saying to um, Ken that this is the part of the podcast where I kind of like to go back in time a little bit and plot a kind of course through people's lives and careers a little bit to kind of see how they ended up where they did and why maybe they made the things that they did. And sometimes these, well, these things always overlap. So yeah. if we go kind of right back in time, um, what was it you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were a little girl and you were thinking of the future, what, what was it you saw yourself doing? Well, my, uh, my mother used to say when I was fairly young that I wanted to write children's books. Okay. And I sort of remember doing that. Um, but she said, I used to say it all the time that that's what I wanted to do. So I, I believe her. Uh, but I remember as I got older that I, I got very much into history, history being the subject, even to this day, that I love, you know, any kind of history and going back in time. And, and then I got into archaeology. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of things And I used to say, God, it would be so much fun to go on a dig, <laughs> you know, have my little brush and just, you know, <laughs> and, you know, oh, look, I found a bone, <laughs> you know, I mean, so uh, by the time I was ready to go to college, my dad, you know, he was really eager for me to go to college and he, and uh, I wasn't so eager to do that. Uh, I was ready to just go, I go off and do who knows what at the time, you know, I don't know, discover the world. But he would, he would say, well, well, what would you study in college? And I would say archaeology. I'd like to be an archaeologist or a writer <laughs> you know, a writer or an archaeologist. And he would say, writer, archaeologist, there's no money in that. <laughs> and I would say, so what? That's what I want to do. Um, and uh, he and I went, you know, had our had our issues on it. But I long story short, I never went to college. I met Ken and we got married, at, you know, when we were still. Do you uh, remember teenagers. meeting Ken for the first time? Oh, of course. <laughs> Were you like, whoa, that mustache, I love it. No, no, actually, the very first time I met him, I, I had another boyfriend. Oh. And, and it, was, uh, it was the same month that I graduated from high school. And he had just graduated from high school, too. And I had another boyfriend, and I was with my boyfriend, and we were driving around in our car. Um, or his car, I guess, his car, my boyfriend's car. And it was a really hot day. It was in Southern California in the summer. And it was really hot. I, that's the one thing I remember. It was so hot. And I was, and he didn't have an air conditioning in his car. It was just this <laughs> kind of nothing car. And I remember saying, I'm so hot. You know, let's stop somewhere and get some air conditioning. And he said, oh, you know, we're going up and down the street. And he said, oh, I know that guy. Let me say hi. This guy named Ken. And I said, oh, oh, okay. So we pull over 
and Ken was out in his front yard working on his car in the driveway. And I, and my boyfriend gets out and he's talking to Ken. And I remember looking over and I saw this huge air conditioning unit (laughs) outside the window of his house. And when my boyfriend came back, I said, look, look at that air conditioning. Can we go inside their house and talk for a while? And that, that's my first vision of Ken. And, uh, we went on a double date that night and uh, we had to get Ken or my boyfriend asked if, if he'd like to double date with us that night. And that Ken didn't have a, a girlfriend, but he did say, well, I kind of like somebody. And, and my boyfriend said, Oh, I know. Uh, we know her. I know her. We can go ask her if she wants to go out with you. So we go over to her house and we talk her into going out with us. And so we had a double date that night. And then I didn't hear from Ken. I didn't, I I broke up with this other guy, like not very long after, but I didn't hear from Ken or anybody. I mean, I didn't hear from him and completely forgot about him. I just met him that one time. About five months later, I get a phone call from this guy who was asking me to go out. And I said, who are you? He says, Ken Williams. And I said, Ken Williams. Ken Williams. <laughs> Ken Williams. Uh, I don't remember you. I'm, you know, it, it, he says, you don't remember me? No, I, I mean, when did I meet you? And he reminded me of a few things. And then I said, oh, yeah, okay, uh, I know who you are. Uh, oh, but wow. I... But I, I I wound up going out with him, and then that was you know that was it, and then here we are, we're still here. Wow! Um, <laughs> just before we move on, I I read that when you were a girl, you used to write um, stories, fairy tale adventure stories, to entertain your family with. Um, is this right? Not and... not so much writing them, uh, but I I would I was very much an oral speaker. Ah. You'll notice that on this interview that I'm very <laughs> oral. Uh, no problems talking. Yeah. So I, um, I would, I would entertain my friends, my cousins, my brother constantly. And whenever I would be together with friends or, you know, kids, other kids constantly, I would, I don't know that I would take over the group, but I always had the most interesting things to do, um, to go play. And I, so I was sort of the leader in that way. You know, I would, I would tell them stories, just make it up. I would tell them stories or we would play games. I always had interesting games or we'd, we'd uh, plan to do a little skit, you know, a little play and then perform it in front of my, our parents, you know, so I was that, that kind of kid. That's interesting. That affinity for kind of ruling, uh, or not ruling for leading the group, uh, because obviously that would come into play later on but before we get that so you and Ken meet and you have this uh, whirlwind romance and you marry quite young and I think you have a couple of children quite young um, as well but you're still working kind of not in not in games at this point you're still working kind of incidental jobs but you're sliding towards computers you're both eventually kind of working on computers Um, and it's not until there's a point I think where it sounded like money was quite tight and you're both looking for business ideas, but then an Apple 
two computer comes into the picture somehow. And I read that, you know, you spent money that you didn't really have on this. So money gets really tight and you're looking at games on it. And then, then that's when the seed for games come. Is this right? If I understood this correctly? You're very close um, for the most part, but the seed for becoming, doing what we eventually did and, and are doing again right now was the game Colossal Cave, right. uh, which is what we're working on now. And, and that's where we come full circle. And that it, it's, I, I discovered, it wasn't called, it wasn't called Colossal Cave at the time. It was called um, Apple's Adventure. And, and uh, with our Apple II, we were able to, um, I, I bought the, I bought the adventure, you know, a floppy disk and started playing it on on our on our brand new Apple II. And Ken, meanwhile, had an idea of what he wanted to do. The reason the reason why we bought this Apple II, and it was quite expensive. I remember at the time it cost us about twelve hundred dollars. Okay. Which for us was a lot of money. And um and we talked about well well we knew we were going to spend it because Ken had this idea that he wanted to figure out how to do software on personal computers. And, but he just, you know, he was trying to figure out exactly what, but he knew, you know, and he knew and, and I knew, I agreed with him at least that these, these machines we could bring, these computers we could bring into our home were, were the start of a revolution. It was the start of something big. Um, we, I had, I mean, I don't think we had any idea how big, but big enough that, and it's, was a very beginning of it. So we had that, that sense. So spending the $1,200 for this Apple II was, was worth it in our opinion. But then Ken needed to figure out what he was a programmer, what he wanted to do, what kind of software would he want to write on it to to grow a company. And I think he was looking at Bill Gates at the time. Bill Gates had started Microsoft already, but Microsoft was still pretty small. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and by the way, Microsoft also had this same adventure game and they were selling it called Microsoft adventure, same (laughs) game. And, uh, and later on, I don't know when, but later on it's name changed to Colossal Cave. Okay. at some point, but originally it was called just adventure. And um, so, but Ken was looking at Bill Gates and, and his company, Microsoft and how he had started it. And I guess he started it with, uh, I think he programmed up basic, basic for, basic for, <laughs> <laughs> basic for uh, computer, you know, for these personal computers. And then, and then he went on into, into DOS and, um, and then, and then started, I don't know, having other, other programs like Microsoft Adventure, the same okay. game. And, uh, so I think he was looking at Bill Gates and how he started his company and, and Ken had had some experience developing programming languages by this time and, uh, working with AI and, 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 uh, creating computer languages and getting down into assembly and the machine language itself. Ah, okay. So Ken's really keen to kind of 
make something is it does he know it's a game at this point or no 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 at this point he's thinking like i said with with uh bill gates doing some sort of computer language okay and so is it you who gives him this idea yeah it's me that it can be a game so what's the idea do you remember pitching the idea and going yeah it's a game well i played this i played this colossal cave or adventure same game got into it loved it um i uh when i finished it i wanted to play more games like it i just loved it so much with me you know with my books and my storytelling and all the things i ever did being able to play to to be on a computer and play a story because an adventure Mm. game in its heart is really like an interactive story that not just a story there's things for you to do obviously but at its heart it makes you feel like you are moving through a world and a story and you can and you can decide where you want to go and what you want to do and you're traveling through it and it's much more immersive so i wanted to play more like games like that and uh, there weren't really any um we found a little company that did some text adventure games and colossal cave originally was a text adventure game this is what i was playing when I couldn't find any games that were as good as this one, Colossal Cave, I I just sat down and started designing my own game. I In my mind, I was thinking, I can't be the only person that is drawn to this type of entertainment. And I'd never seen anything like this before. And I thought, I wonder if I can do it. I wonder if I could sit down and design a game like this, but my own. And I did. I, I, I got a huge piece of paper <laughs> and a pe- pencil, and I was just drawing on it and putting ideas. I was basically mapping out a game. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, then it didn't work, so I'd get another piece of paper and i put it on, and I, you know, <laughs> and I keep, keep adding to it until one day I looked at it. I could look at the whole thing and see, see the outline and the map of a game, and I knew exactly what everything was and where it was and exactly how it worked. Problem is I'm not a programmer. Yeah. So I needed Ken and I had to talk him out of the, of the project he was already working on for the Apple II and, and substitute mine, you know, will you not do yours and come and do mine? And uh, I had, I did really do some fancy talking, take him out <laughs> to dinner and other things. Um, to get him to change his mind. But, but what changed his mind was the passion I had for this, the certainty in my mind that this is it. This is really good. I really had this sense. This is really yeah. good. And this is the way to go. And he did. So um, you end up making, you, you take inspiration from Agatha Christie um, novel and, and I think the board game, clue and you and you come up with the the idea that it's mystery house mystery and i think house. this is the the first graphical adventure game first um, graphical game, how... first graphical computer game oh sorry excuse me um do you remember how long it took to make not very long really i mean it, it probably took me maybe a month maybe less three weeks to a month to figure out the game on this piece of mm. paper and then uh and then I, th- I think Ken and I probably worked on it for about four or five months. Uh, okay. I did I did the 
the terrible art. I am not going to say that the art was good. <laughs> However, um, there were no ways of putting in graphics into a computer in those days. No way at all. Um, Ken found this thing called a graphics tablet that was in a mm. computer store not too far from where we lived. And it was just like a, a square piece of acrylic, like this flat, <laughs> you know, acrylic thing. And it, it had an arm on it, kind of like an arm that bends. And you could, you could, you know, and, with, and in the, it kind of had a magnetic point there underneath, almost looked like a record player, you know, except it wasn't yeah. really a needle, but it was, it was magnetic. And, and so over this, this piece of acrylic, you could take this arm around and, and outline a picture by, if I would draw a picture on a piece of paper and then tape it down to this piece of acrylic and then, and then take this arm and try to go along the outline of my picture and the the magnetic um, uh, end piece of it would pick up now it needed software though it's one thing to buy uh, this thing but there was no software that came with it <laughs> none so ken had to write it and i it love had, it how problem solving the industry was back then yeah. these things didn't exist no. so you had to make all these new yes. things that's right so um mystery house comes in in uh 1980 is that correct may of 1980 1980 and and i guess you're not sure how this thing is gonna do how if people are gonna want it and i think you're selling it via mail order at the time do you remember the first orders coming in do you remember feeling nervous do you remember a sense of excitement um i don't know that we were nervous Uh, excited yes um i think that we went into it not expecting more than you know if this works out it would be fun if we could work on games together we Mm. weren't thinking in terms of oh we're gonna build this big business you know and have all these employees and do all this stuff you know we weren't thinking along those lines at all it was we really our dream at the time was we were living in southern california and ken was still working and having to go to work and and where we lived, we were a little, not rural, but we weren't, you know, real close into the big big city of of Los Angeles. We were pretty far out, Um, but but a lot of the jobs were closer into Los Angeles and he had a big commute, you know, he had to commute an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to get to work and get back again. And so a lot of his time was spent in a car on the freeway. And, and I had just had our second child. So I was still at home and just taking care of the two small children and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, but I did have some computer experience in the background and I had worked um, as a computer mainframe operator and uh, programming before. So it's, it's not like um, I had no experience and, you know, and he had all the experience, but mostly yeah. he had all the experience, but, um, but our dream was, that wouldn't it be great if this went and did pretty well that we could maybe earn enough from making games <laughs> that we could go and live in the country. We could go live in the mountains, say, you know, 
and have a cabin in the woods and, and that, and that sort of thing. It was get away from Los Angeles and the smog and the freeways and just have a nice quiet life and raise our kids. And that was as big as we were thinking, if it would just work out that way. Amazing to think of that now. Um, and that those kind of those thoughts then, uh, because of course the game comes out and, um, it sells something like 10,000 copies, uh, from what I read, which might not necessarily oh, it, sound it sold like a lot. way more than that, but, um, oh, okay. maybe at first it, it, it sold about like that. Okay. I think it over its lifetime, I mean, it's probably ugh, 50, 60, 80,000 or something. Wow. I mean, it's, um, it, yeah, it did, it did pretty well. And I bet when you're, again, from what I read, I think, you know, you were hand stuffing these bags and sending these, yeah. uh, these, these discs out. I bet that feels like an awful lot. Of, yeah. Of, of well, discs it, at first out. it was maybe like 10,000, but I mean, like I said, it grew and, and by the time it started to really come on bigger and stronger, we already had uh, hired some people. So, so <laughs> they kind of did that, that part. But at first, the first I would say eight or nine months, it was just Ken and I, and yes, uh, we did everything. So we, we bought a second Apple II and, 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 uh, and we used both of our Apple II computers to copy the floppy disks. Uh, so we were copying the game mystery house. So it stick one in over here, you know, went over here. And, and of course, Ken, you wrote the, you had to write the software, in order to copy the discs and get the game onto the discs. And so we would take this one out, put in another one, take this out, put in another one. So we were, you know, doing this and, and copying for hours every night. And, um, and, and then we, we talked, there weren't very many computer stores in, in those days <laughs> and uh, Walmarts and those kind of companies, A, they didn't exist yet, but they also, if they had, they wouldn't have been selling computer games yet. Yeah. It wasn't big, a big enough business. And there weren't that many computer stores either. There was about four within our uh, range where we lived, only about four. And that was up to maybe uh, 30 miles away. And so those four said they would be happy to sell our game in their store, but we just had to display it, you know, so people could come and take it off the shelf and uh. buy it. So it wasn't all mail order. Uh, and so the way we did that is we just, we just went to the store and bought uh, boxes and boxes of Ziploc bags <laughs> and, uh, and then a keyhole punch, you know, this is a, a hole punch, one hole punch, not a keyhole punch, yeah. uh, one hole punch. And so we, I would take a Ziploc bag and punch a little hole in the top of it. So we'd put the floppy disk in it. And then we had a sheet of uh, paper on the top of that that said what the game was, and then <laughs> uh, then hole punch, and that was it. So we'd have a little stack of that, and we'd drive that. You know, maybe there'd be twenty of them. We did, and we'd drive to this computer store and give it to them, and then another one and give it to them, and 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 then when we got to orders from uh, mail, you know, mail order. Or by phone call. A lot of people are just calling in and saying, I want to buy your game. Uh, I, you know, I had FedEx coming a couple of times a day and picking up boxes. So we had a lot of boxes. So take our 
you know, everything that we had and put it in and then give it to the, you know, FedEx guy. And then, and that's what we did. That's, that's kind of how we, oh, and then we had to take phone calls. <laughs> for, for the tips people the tips were asking. For... Or problems, you know, there's always something, you know, um, oh, you know, well, well, maybe we didn't like the game and can we return it or, or uh, oh, we'd like to buy another copy or, or something uh, for our daughter and, or I can't get, uh, you know, I can't get uh, into the attic of Mystery House. How do I do that? <laughs> or there's a trap door and I don't know how to open it, you know, whatever it is. And so that was our life for probably almost six months. In wow. the meantime, we knew we had something and we sold our home in Southern California and we did move to Oakhurst, California, which is where the woods were. And we bought a cabin in the woods. <laughs> so everything goes quite well. So from um, from Mystery House, you go on to make, I think, Wizard and the Princess the same year. Um, and this sells more copies. This is more popular uh, from what I've read. Then there's Mission Asteroid and Time Zone. And, and then all of a sudden, a couple of years have gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, and where you used to have just you and Ken, now you've got 100 people yeah. working for you mm-hmm. and, and you're making something like I read something like $10 million in revenue. Yeah. Um, that is a, a, a curve it's, on a graph that just looks like a like cliff. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, that mm-hmm. must have been, what was that like to, to, to be in that time, yeah, to be and, in the middle of that and world? And being so young too. You know, we were, yes. we were just in our early to mid twenties during that period. And we were not sophisticated at all. I mean, there was nothing about us that was sophisticated. You know, Ken, Ken, one thing I have to say is that I was impressed about Ken is that because of his programming work, he had worked at a lot of companies, mostly doing accounting software, working on the bookkeeping, payroll systems, accounting systems in his prior life. It was only a couple of years. I mean, he was still very young, but uh, but he he learned enough about accounting, payroll, bookkeeping from doing all that software work for large corporations and and small companies that he understood immediately uh, about um, money and balancing money and uh, accounting for money and. Mm. You know, sort of the business side of things he and and what he hadn't learned by working for these companies and doing um, doing programming for the business side of these companies, he just he picked up very fast. You know, he um, I think Ken has a little bit of a natural knack for business and and he's also very good at marketing as well. Mm. So things are going really well i i read that you even meet jim henson comes to you the legendary jim henson comes to you personally to ask you to make this dark crystal game mm-hmm. um what was that like me- meeting jim henson and have him ask yeah, well ask you to make a game yeah that was uh, probably our first uh um meeting of somebody you might call a celebrity or you know somebody okay. somebody big you know in the entertainment industry you know, because I mean, I had little kids and they watched Sesame Street and, you know, all that. So, so yeah, meeting, you know, having Jim Henson wanting to work with us was an honor. 
and kind of scary too, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, to do that. And he wanted us to do a game based on, he had this idea for it. With, the movie was called Dark Crystal. Right. And it was, uh, it was a, I, you know, I, I don't know how to des describe it. It was way different from Sesame Street, the Muppets. Yeah. You know, and all that. It was it was actually a rather dark story. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, it is the dark crystal, but uh, but it is a rather <laughs> dark story. And and characters a very high fantasy, you would probably call it, not really Tolkien type fantasy. Maybe not really. Yeah, um, was, it, it was almost was a, like an alien world. There was a. Um a remake or a kind of new series on, on Netflix uh, a few years ago. Uh, so there was a sort of big resurfacing. It was, it was done really well, actually. They had, uh, it was puppets again yeah, and, and puppets. they had the, uh, the same thing, but it was, it's, it's very good. And it, it brought a kind of a lot of popularity back for, for did the original it, did it. Dark Crystal. Did it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the movie, it, so it was, it was very different for Henson and I, somehow or another, he had heard of us or, or our games and, and this is before King's Quest, um, mm. because our whole approach to adventure gaming changed with King's Quest. So this was before. And it was so there was no animation or anything like that. It was all just static images. But, um, you know, I, I was not too keen on doing it, but Ken really thought it would be good for our business that we did, you know, for... yeah you know, getting our name out there and, you know, and all this. So, and it, and it's an honor to do it. And so I was basically told to do it. Um, <laughs> and I did, I did, I did. And I, I did a good job. I, they sent to me just reams of scripts and they had done, I mean, it was almost like several notebooks, thick notebooks of research wow. into developing this world of the dark crystal. Oh, wow. Um, and the, and the characters and it had all their, their background story, you know, where did they come from? What created them? What was their governance type? You know, what was their philosophy? What was their culture? Wow. And they sent me all this stuff. And I remember looking through it and like, how can I, how can I use all this? You know, I mean, this is like, I mean, you could, I mean, this is like a huge like novel or, or that somebody might write about this, these, this world and these, these creatures. And, and, and I was thinking, I felt a little overwhelmed. I didn't quite, and then the, and then the movie script too. And then they, they, they sent to us a video of the movie as they had, had, as they had uh, filmed it to that point. Yeah. So I could also watch that. So I had a lot of, material that they gave me to try to figure out how to make a game out of this. <laughs> and I remember feeling very overwhelmed. It was, there was so much and it, and it was nothing I had ever done before. Actually, it was good, good preparation for me doing this game that I'm working on now um, to take somebody else's work and turn it into um, a computer adventure game. Yeah. That's not, that's not my game. Yeah, and so it it actually was good preparation. It was so it was interesting to do. I'm glad I did it. Um, I I wouldn't say it was the most fun project I've ever done, but um, yeah. <laughs> so 
things are going really well. Uh, business is booming. But then along comes 1983 um, and there's an industry crash um, of some kind. Uh, I'm not sure specifically what it was, but things go south quite quickly. Um, and suddenly from 100 staff, you're back down to 30 staff. Um, and I've read, I don't know if this is true, but you had to maybe remortgage your house. I'm going um, to cough. Would... Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. <coughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Are, so, are there, are you... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, so um, th yeah, things suddenly go um, from really good to uh, on the edge. Um, and, and this sounds like quite a hard moment in time. Yes, it, I would say it was one of the deepest barrels we've ever been in um, okay. of uh, what do we do. It was a very dark time. It, it was a very tough time. We, I mean, we, I, I think uh, this was only about, was this 1983, something like that. Yeah. So we've really only been doing this maybe three years, two and a half years. Hmm. Things had been going great. Everything was just up and up and up and up and up when this happened. And, and what happened, what caused the problem for, for Sierra and for us is that we had taken in some venture capital money. Ah, uh, okay. And the venture capitalists, they gave us a nice little cushion of money to really grow the company. But there were caveats. And we found out really what the caveats were, which was, well, now that you've taken, you know, all this money to really build your company, we, we want you to start running it like a company that can grow uh, and, you know, get bigger and bigger. So you need to have proper structure and you have to have, um, departments you know, and, 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 <laughs> and hire, uh, people to be your like vice presidents of vice president of marketing or, uh, uh, financial, you know, vice president of finance yeah. or a C, uh, CFO type person and, and, you know, you have to make be a proper company and you also have to create uh, a board. And okay. of course, you know, we'll be on the board, you know, the, the venture capitalists. And, uh, and then there was some negotiating there, but it turned out that there would be three of them and three of us. And the three okay. of us would be Ken and I, and we had a uh, kind of a local attorney that was sort of our business attorney and that would be it. So it'd be three to three. Well, they were very forceful. And this was about the time that that Sega and um, I, I don't remember if Nintendo or not, um, Mattel, Coleco, a, a lot of toy companies were making um, set top, we, we called them set top boxes. Okay. Like you'd set them on top of your, your TV. And then, um, and then you put a cartridge, a game cartridge in and with cables, it would, the, the, um, the game would come out on your TV set. Yeah. So we called them set top boxes. And, and that was, that was the beginning of really, um, video games, uh, arcade type games and things like that, that you could play, um, on, on your TV. So your kids could sit in front of the TV and 
have a little joystick or whatever and, and play Pac-Man yeah. or whatever. And they said, um, well, that's the future. That's, that's the uh, future. Everybody, everybody is going and doing this and, and, and they're buying cartridges and they're reprogramming their games and everything. And, and you have to do that too. Now, this is probably one of the first disagreements that Ken and I had. Okay. I did not. I was very nervous about taking their money at the, at, at the very beginning. Yeah. I thought we were doing just fine. And we were. <laughs> and why are we bringing these people in? I mean, you know, like, who are these people? Well, they're giving us a lot of money. Well, I know. But uh, one thing I, I did understand is when you take when you take people's money, especially if it's a lot of money, you owe them. You have to yeah. listen to them. Uh, and you might have to even do what they say, mm. especially if you want more money. And, uh, and I was beginning to also understand that every time you do that, you're giving up part of your company too. <laughs> but, you know, Ken thought it was a good idea and everybody was doing it. It wasn't just us, you know, it was, it was kind of the thing. So they, they led us off in this direction of the cartridges uh. and our whole company, basically uh, the programmers we had, and we had about a hundred and I, I remember 129 people, many wow. of them programmers and they were all put over for the most part onto the doing cartridge games the only game left that was originally apple was my games our adventure game and the lucky thing is they were too big to go on cartridge <laughs> at the time <laughs> so so i got to keep my job about the same time as we were doing that before everything crashed, IBM came to us and they had a new computer that turned out to be the PC Junior. They did they weren't calling it that. It was it was like top secret at the time. But yeah. they came to us and they had this little computer that they thought would be their entree into the homes to sell the PC Junior. Um, that people would buy it for a personal computer at home. And one of the things they knew people would do with it is to play games. So they came to us and specifically to me, and they wanted me to design uh, a computer game for their, the PC junior. That was like the wizard and the princess. Ah, and this is King's quest. And it was King's quest, but, ah. but, the, but what, what the PC Junior could do that the Apple II could not do is it had more RAM, um, it had uh, more colors, it had it it was um, it was more powerful, bigger uh, sounds and more sounds to be able to have animation and sounds in a little beep 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 bop kind of music <laughs> um, that the that you really the Apple didn't really have, and so. I could create a game with animation and that meant I could have a little character that you could, yeah. you could walk around. And I started working on that and that turned out to be King's quest. And, uh, in the meantime, you know, the, the rest of our, our growing little company was taken over to cartridges, cartridge. Games. Okay. We did like Frogger, you know, and things like that. Um, well, the cartridge, business crashed and yeah. it crashed big time 
And we heard that like Atari and Sega literally were going out and digging huge holes in the desert and burying (laughs) tons of unsold cartridges. And most of our sales were in cartridges by this time. And they were a lot more expensive for us to buy and produce Uh. than floppy disks. So it was, it was a huge uh, travesty for the industry and all, and for us too. And honestly, um, we, we had to lay off most people. We had to regroup our company, uh, people that we, we kept the best programmers, the best artists, the best everything. And we just put them all on King's quest to get it out. We had a lot of faith that King's quest would save us. And, but up to the end, I mean, by the time the end came, uh, towards the end, Ken and I were, were holding it all together by our own, we were, we were funding it. We, it, but we took our, our, our credit cards up to the, up to the limit. We put a second mortgage on our house. I mean, we were doing wow. everything to try to keep paying 30 people to get us through, to get this game done. And that's when we just crossed our fingers and said, well, this is it. I mean, King's Quest had better do it or else we're going back to Southern California and he goes back to programming <laughs> and and it did. It, you know, it and, and it was a huge it, hit. It, yeah, it comes out and, and it, you know, it becomes this, this series that yeah. with each iteration would, would push a new boundary, would, would bring something else, new sound, yeah. new, yeah. as well as, you know, all the other stuff, new stories. Yeah. And it would become this defining series for you personally um but also the company one of the boundaries i'm particularly fond um of the series kind of breaking i don't know if breaking is the right word but it's having a lead female character with king's quest 4 in 1988 i think now do you remember this being a challenge a challenging decision to make at the time was there any pushback on this oh yeah there was pushback it oh, do you remember cha- what it was? It, yeah, it wasn't challenging to me. Um, I of thought course. it was a perfect idea. <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> yeah. like a a no brainer, as they say, you know, um, to do that. It, and it was time. It, it, partly because I mean, I knew there were a lot of of uh, females, girls, young women, older women, mothers, grandmothers, um, playing my games along with, with, uh, men, boys, you know, I mean, everybody in a sense, you know, yeah. it, 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 that's what was intriguing about King's quest is that it didn't seem to fall along gender lines. Uh, it didn't, um, it, it didn't, it just seemed to appeal. It had wide appeal. So to me, um, it, it wasn't, a big stretch to think why not you know it's, it's about time so i just said i'm just going to have the, the i guess you could say the first female computer game character her name was Ros- rosella she was king graham's daughter and of <laughs> course i sent her on her own her own adventure but the, where i got pushback was not from the not from uh, game players, not from the the audience out there, game players, but from my own company, and mostly wow. from sales and marketing. 
Um, and uh, they they came to Ken and said, oh, you know, this might this is this is going to turn off the core, our, our core customer base, <laughs> um, because at the time it was really thought and there was some truth to it that the primary buyers and players of computer games were and they, they were called computer games in those days. Yeah, mostly were young men or um, boys, young men, men with some, a sprinkling of, of women and girls thrown in. And, and we, we we're just going to lose money on this thing. It's just, it's a terrible idea, but I just said, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm doing it. And I don't care. You know what, what anybody says. And I did it. And it, it, a, it didn't lose any sales whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I think it sold more than the prior, this was King's Quest four than the prior three. Um, and we got a lot of kudos and accolades for doing it. Uh, we, so, I mean, in the end, it was the a perfect thing to do and, and broke, I guess you could say it probably broke a barrier in the industry. For sure. Um, and I think something that's also broken a, a barrier, um, even now, unfortunately, it's, you know, has been unusual, maybe less so right now, but for uh, many of the top gaming series to be to be led by a woman. And of course, you led this entire uh, series um, as a woman and, you know, brought in female characters. And that that whole fact is 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 a remarkable thing it shouldn't be a remarkable thing uh, yeah. but it is and you were doing it but before everyone way before everyone else yeah i think uh, partly the reason i could do that is because of the type of game that i do the type mm. of game i do is is an adventure game an adventure game is essentially i, I hate to always say it like this but it's, it's an interactive story. I mean, it really starts kind of with the story. I, I have, when I, when I would do a game, I would think, who are you? What is your character? Um, that you're guiding around your little, your little character. Who are you? What's the name of the character? Uh, what are they doing? Where do they live? What's the goal? What kind of adventure are they going to have? What's the storyline as you go through it? Storylines are usually fairly simplistic, the way that the way that I always did it. Um, and I would get pinged a little bit sometimes. They say, "Oh, your, your storylines are so so simple. You know, they're not. They're, they're just like not really very very deep." And that's true. But the reason why they weren't very deep is because they're a game. It's also a game. It's not just a story. If it yeah. was a story, then obviously I would have spent a lot more time developing characters and who they are and what is their motivations <laughs> and, and all of that and subplots. And But it's a game. So you don't really want to have a very deep story, maybe, a, you know, maybe a little deeper than some of them I did. But uh, but it, it's an ex but it's also exploratory. You explore a yeah. world, you create a world, you create fantasy. It's a it's a little bit of a story, and uh, you have to think, solve puzzles, and um, you know get yourself through this. And out, I I, I always said, kind of outthink the designer. 
would, would be like me oh, okay. or anybody that designs these kind of games, you know, you want to outsmart them, you know, you want to think like the designer and, Oh, I bet how they're setting me up. You know, I know where, I know where they're leading me, you know, and stuff. And, and <laughs> so you want to, it, it's, so it's that kind of a game. And, and just like women love and girls love TV shows and movies and books, just as much, if not more, sometimes than male males. Uh, I didn't see any reason why females, women of whatever, would not like this genre any yeah. less than males. And and I was right. Yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you were. It's um, it was a great move. So I'm conscious of time, and thank you very much for your time. So I'm going to jump forward a tiny bit oh. because I, I I really want to. Um, sure talk about this next game because i believe um yeah, oh i would like that yes i, I believe uh, oh, we'll come back to that one but um i i believe in the 90s you you work up to what i think is um your favorite game that that you made from what i've read um so this is phantasmagoria um and this by contrast to the games you've made before from what i understand is a huge project um it had yeah. 200 people working on it, a 550-page script, um, an $800,000 budget that ballooned to a $4 million budget. Um, yes. I mean, that is, to my mind, that's a block. This is 1995, I think. Five, six. Um, well, actually, it was uh, almost a four-year project, too. Wow. At least, at least three and a half years. Um, the first... Six months, I I did just research, lots of research, because it was a horror game, and now and way outside of anything I'd ever done before. I I, I had done Mystery House, and I did uh, I started the Laura Bow mystery series, which was uh, Who Done It, you know, mystery uh, kind of Agatha Christie, kind of like Mystery House. Yeah. But I but the Laura Bow series was also like that. And uh, I, so I had done a little bit of crime and murder, you know, a little bit uh, delving into that sort of subject, but, but horror was a whole nother thing. Mm. And uh, so I spent six months just trying to figure out how to, how to, what is horror? What scares people, you know, really studying that. And then, um, and then doing it, writing it, it, that took, so I was probably a year and a half of just studying horror, thinking about it, what it means, how to scare people, how to do suspense, and then write a script. And it was about 550-page script. Um, and then we had to figure out how to – we built a whole studio. We used actors in it. We um, – we, uh, the, the image – the – the graphics were all done 3D. It was complete 3D rendered graphics, which was unique for that time period. Uh, although you, we didn't move through the world in 3D, you know, virtual reality like we are with this game, Colossal Cave. Mm. Uh, in this one, we're truly moving through the world. We, but we still rendered the whole the whole uh, Phantasmagoria world in 3D. We just, but we used it for camera cuts and angles. And actors using blue screen. Um, it was, but yeah, by the time it, it shipped, it was a huge, That's huge, a huge 
huge. Proper blockbuster. So uh, is this game your, your the favorite game that you've made so far, I suppose? And and if it is, why why is this one particularly? Fantasmagoria? Yeah. Uh, because it was so challenging. One of the things that I am sort of known for, I guess, is challenges. I like challenges. <laughs> I like, like I like to... I like to do something. I, I like to do things that nobody else has done. You know, like Ken was saying, we crossed the Bering Sea. You know, I mean, nobody, that was kind of a, a risky thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, but, and that was really me. I, I like to get out there and just be out there and do things that others just don't do. And so Phanta uh, Phantasmagoria was a real challenge from all kinds, of, in all kinds of ways. And I, I love doing it. And I, and when we, when we had the actors and they were, we were shooting it, we had, we did hire a, a Hollywood director. I mean, I, I didn't know how to direct actors. You know, I, I wouldn't have even thought I could, mm. that I would do a good job. So we, we did have a Hollywood director who, um, who directed the actors. Although I did quite a bit of that myself. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> And uh, it was just, it was just so much fun. I mean, we were, because it was a horror game, we had all kinds of props. So we had, I mean, we had uh, people mixing up blood, you know, we had like tubs of blood and mixing it up and we were kind of playing with it. And we were, we were creating, uh, uh, even with our own faces, the act, not ours, but the actors' faces, uh, these sort of silicon masks because we were going to do things like chop off somebody's head uh, that, but it had to look like them. So we literally put it over their faces and created, you know, so we were creating a lot of things. We had dummy arms and dummy, you know, bloody things. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was fun. It was just fun. <laughs> That's another reason why I liked it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Just quickly, we'll just quickly touch on this. But as the 90s go on, we get to the mid 90s. Uh, CompuCard uh, comes in and buys uh, Sierra online, from what I understand. And it's at this point that things start to go, as we say here, a bit pear shaped. Um, I think Ken sort of, it sounds like Ken moves upstairs or moves up, uh, somewhere else in the company. Um, you go on sabbatical for a bit, I think, but then you come back um to make uh king's quest a new king's quest game i've forgotten the name uh, um well sabbatical was a little bit before um anybody came to buy our company okay but, um uh yeah we went on sabbatical ken was getting uh he was we were still in oakhurst we had he, we had bought some development houses around the country and around the world even a couple of them around the with japan and um France and um, I think we were looking at England and we um, were we were just growing and Ken was literally on airplanes all the time mm. just going around to each of the development houses and everybody and uh, Eugene Oregon and um, and just overseeing what everybody was doing and making sure that the products they're doing are coming out on time that they look good their quality they're this or this or that and he was tired. And he was run down and he just, he, he got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And Ken is, is 
very much. I think when you say micromanager, I think that somebody that likes to do everything themselves almost. Mm-hmm. Is that what is that right? Yeah, that's a micromanager. How I yeah. Yeah. And, and he's very much a micromanager. And so he always felt like he had to be very involved in everything, everything, everything. And he was just, he was, um, he was beginning to get a lot of symptoms of on un, uh, being unhealthy and, you know, and everything. And he's just, I, I, I think he was about ready to break, honestly. Yeah. So we took a, a, a three month sabbatical. I said, I said, I have to get you out of here. We need to just get you away we need to think about what we're doing, where we're going from here. And I was working on King's Quest Six at the time. I had it, it I and I had um, Jane Jensen was my co-designer on it. Um, she was she wasn't so much a co-designer as a uh, I was training her. Oh wow! How to do how to do how to be an adventure game designer for Sierra? You know how how we do it. So. Um, So, but, but, so I made sure before we left on the sabbatical that she knew the game entirely and how it's supposed to go. And I had written, you know, the messages and then all the things and left them for her to then manage and work with the artists and the programmers and get it started. And so that's, that's how we were able to go and do this. And then I, I felt that she had it under control and that she, she would continue with it. And she did. And, and, um, so we, we still got King's Quest six out on time for Christmas that year when we got back. But the main thing about that sabbatical is that we made the decision to move the company from Oakhurst up to Seattle okay? because Ken needed more help. They're just, it was too hard up in the woods as we always wanted to do <laughs> to hire good people, you know, people that were really professional and they wanted to build their career and, and the industry was becoming more, um, uh, was becoming, um, a bigger, a bigger industry, a stronger industry. Um, and people would prefer to work in San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York or the big cities and not go to the woods somewhere, even though Sierra was well-respected, it was hard. And that's one reason why Ken was just getting so stressed out. He just didn't have enough good help. Yeah. And, and, and my question to him on our sabbatical was, I think, I thought we had two choices. We either move the company to um, a bigger metropolitan area and closer to an international airport Mm. or, and, and really grow it, you know, really, really do it. If we're going to do it, that's what we need to do. Or, we, if we stay where we are, we'll just probably shrink. We'll probably actually start shrinking a bit because hmm. he just can't do it like this forever. He just couldn't do it. He'd have a stroke or something and, and just become a, a development house basically. Yeah. Which way do we want to go? And we decided that we wanted to get, we're really going to go for it. So that's how we got up to Seattle. That was the reason. Ah. It was after that that a couple of years later, when the company was bought, bought out. Ah, okay. So the company's bought out, um, and then you're making a game called uh, King's Quest: Mask of Eternity uh, with them, and it sounds like things are really difficult. Um, 
And this uh, this ultimately leads you, I think Ken has maybe resigned by this point as well. Um, and this ultimately leads you to, the game comes out and I imagine it's not up to your standard or it's not what you wanted it to be. Um, and, and, that's, and that's it, that's the point where you've had enough, I think. Yes, it was a, it was a really, it, personally, it was a bad time. I mean, financially, it was it was fine. You know, I mean that that wasn't the problem for me. It was, um, I had a lot of I've always had a lot of pride in my work, and 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 I had done I I felt like I had done a lot for the company over the years, and helped grow it and and everything. And um, it just as soon as Ken was gone. Um, it was like, I don't know if it was just that people had resented me or me and Ken, oh, wow. uh, Ken always, Ken always says that there's always people that, that, that think they know more than you do, hmm. no matter who you are, you know, in your industry or whatever you do. Um, there's always those that think that they're smarter than you are and they know better if only you weren't there, that, that kind of thing. And, and anybody who has sold their company experiences this, it's better to just get out, you know, leave because there are those behind you that want to fill those shoes and they want to fill them like now, and you're standing (laughs) in the way. (laughs) And especially with Ken gone and I'm there by myself. Um, I, I had to fight fires of my own. I had to do that, you know, before I could kind of get Ken to say, can you go talk to this programmer, you know, or can you, cause he runs a company. I go, you know, they report to you. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you can do something about this, but he was gone and I, I didn't have anybody to support me. In fact, if anything, I felt like, uh, <laughs> like there were sort of vultures circling around uh... above me all the time, you know, like they were just waiting for me to leave or, you know, or something. And, and I, and to this day, I, I, I pretty much know that they did. They want, they were like, well, you know, we have a better idea how we would like to do King's quest. And in today's world, this cute little adventure game, the way King's quest has always been is no, it's, it's no longer pass. It's passe, you know, it's had its time. It's, it's time to move it forward into the present which was uh, uh, role-playing, you know, uh, yeah. a role-playing game. Uh, and uh, it was experience and weapons and, and uh, you, it's not just you, you have a little party that goes with you and, you know, that uh-huh. kind of game. Um, and, and that's where it's at now, you know, and fighting, you got, you know, you got to do some fighting. You have to get some weapons and you get experience points and, you know, I don't, I don't really play RPG games. I never really did. So I, I knew, you know, I, obviously I knew what they were, but, but because that wasn't what I did with my games, I didn't ever really pay much attention to them, but they said, no, no, no. King's quest, this new King's quest has to be that. It has to be. And I would say, no, that's not what it is. I mean, if we try to take what it is and turn it into this other thing and then call it King's quest, I mean, are you, what are you going to, are you fooling the people out there? That, and, 
but they were convinced and they, um, they, did I lose you? We were talking about, so, so we lost each other for a second there. There's some connection issues, but we were talking about, um, the the end of uh, Sierra Online yeah. for you really and yeah, the yeah no, there, I know I, mean. I know that but I don't remember anyway well bottom line was we got it done I I had to I had to uh, really work on it I tried to put King's Quest Eight back to what I thought it should be but it never really it it what it just wasn't what yeah. people really expected and I was disappointed in it and then I left and then that was it. It must have been a, a frustrating uh, place to leave the series. It also must have been hard to watch this company that, you know, you've put so much into um, to grow and, and all of these things that, you know, you've made. It must have been hard watching that kind of just slowly break apart, really, and just kind of fall yeah, to pieces. Yeah, it was really sad. And but and I felt bad for the people, too, because... Um, we were told when, when they bought us that they, we were going to get bigger. That Sierra brand, it, we, we kind of knew it was going to be a brand, but that they were going to put their all into this brand and really grow it up into something. And that everybody would not only have jobs, but they'll be adding, you know, jobs. And it was going to mm. be a big deal. And we believed that. And it, that wasn't it at all. And people lost their jobs. And then, of course, it, it turned out that the company that bought us, their CEO and COO and CFO were kind of fraudsters, I guess you'd mm. say. Um, if you read Ken's book, uh, not all fairy tales end. Oh, God, I always forget the actual title of it. And have happy endings. Have happy, yeah. The not rising fall yeah. of Sierra online. I've got it, yeah. Yeah, not all fairy tales have happy endings. And this one did not, unfortunately, but it, it's all in his book. Yeah. So years pass, you know, I think you had a, a five year non-compete clause or something yes. like this, but, um, but yeah. anyway, you, you go away, you go completely away um, and, and you take up boating, you have some wonderful adventures. Yes. Um, and now many years later, um, you're back. I was talking to Ken a bit about this, but it would be nice to hear it in your words. You know, how do you feel about being back making games again is is that exciting is it scary it's not it's not scary um it's i wouldn't say it's exciting <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> to think of the right word the right adjective um it's uh challenging and i always yeah. like a challenge and it <laughs> certainly fits the bill that way um it is it's it is really, uh, it's really fired both our brains. You know, there's a term that says you're firing on all cylinders. Um, mm -hmm. And we certainly are, you know, it's like if, if there were any neurons in our brains that were beginning to uh, deteriorate uh, from, from non-use or whatever, <laughs> they're, they're back. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really, it's challenging us. I mean, and we've had... When, you know, at first, it was just going to be Ken's project with um, a couple of other people, and that was, it was going to be kind of this cute, fun kind of kind of thing. But uh, but like he said, when I I was sort of watching over his shoulder, I I would come and look be, at behind him when at his computer screen he's working on it, and every now and then he'd ask me, 
opinion, you know, what should I do about this? What is your opinion? What do you think we should do? And I would give them my take on it or whatever, but I really didn't want to be pulled into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was writing my own book at the time. And I, I was, uh, my book came out just a few months after his book. So I was busy doing that. And by the way, my book is uh, Farewell to, to Tara. Yeah, it's about the um, Irish famine. Is, is that Famine correct? and, yeah, and the immigration, the Irish. Irish I, I know it's a weird subject. It, well, it's no, not, it sounds interesting. It, it is. It's actually a pretty good book. And, it, and it's pretty, it's doing pretty well. It's a historical novel. But anyway, um, I was, I was working on that. And so I was actually busy anyway. And, uh, but I, I kind of kept looking at it and I kept thinking, I, you know, I don't know that this is really going that well. Um, I don't think I want to really be involved. And, but then all of a sudden I saw that he had, he was beginning to have meetings with a company called unity, mm -hmm. which is, which I had never even heard of, you know, I I'm not even been in the industry and, and all of a sudden, what is this unity? Who are these people? Cause I could see Ken on zoom, you know, he would be on zoom with these, it was suddenly these people that he's talking to and he's doing it a couple times a week. And I'd go by and see his mind. <laughs> Who are these people? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, does this have to do with your game or what, what is this? And he told me and I go, what is unity? What is that? And he says, well, these, you know, they, they're kind of interested in the game and what we're doing and, and, and all this and that. And then one day uh, I was passing by, they saw me behind him and said, Oh, is that Roberta? Uh, and, and Ken goes, well, well, yes, it is. <laughs> and they said, can we, can we at least meet her, you know, or have her come over here? So he turned around in his chair like this and, you know, hey, come on over here. Um, so I remember kind of slinking over there and going, hi, hi. I said, Roberta, that's so nice. And then there's like six, eight people there and they're going, hi, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, and I was like, Hi, <laughs> how are you? And uh, then one of them, I, uh, she says, uh, she's kind of the ringleader of the group. I, I say that with affection. <laughs> she's, I really like her a lot. Um, but she says, when are you going to join the team? When are you going to work on this fantastic game? And I, I and, and that was sort of the, the start of the pull to get me in, to get yeah. me in and, and, and then I, I started taking it seriously, and I really looked at at the game that Ken was producing with a couple of artists, and um, I think he was the only programmer at the time. And I said, Ken, I don't know, you know, I I I, I can see that this is a big company, they're an important company, and they they have faith in you and doing this project. They're putting a lot on you. And I get the feeling that I should be involved, but I not like this, not like this. Okay. And basically I got involved and, and Ken didn't really say there was a little carnage uh, <laughs> involved in that um, we basically threw out all the art that had already been done and started new, <laughs> started new in many, many, many ways. Uh, and it's no, and it's no, it's no offense to the artist. It wasn't that, that was not the problem. The problem was, well, there was many problems, but it wasn't that. 
yeah it was just not it neither ken nor the artist um were, were game designers mm. and it really it does come down to you to do a proper game you need a game designer i mean that's what that it's like trying to build a house or at mm. least a really nice big house without being an architect yeah. you know and you haven't really you know you've sort of built a few garages you know but then to try to build a really beautiful house and with all the luxury and whiz bang and everything without an architect it's probably not going to turn out very good and yeah. and where ken is a wonderful builder um he doesn't have that you know the design element understanding so when you when i came on board that's what happened yeah and started from scratch and but it's beautiful I, I mean but everybody the and the and the original artist is still with us i mean he's still working he's doing a great job but but there's direction now and it's um you, you mentioned virtual reality a lot is it only virtual reality but it or it's virtual reality and non-virtual reality? Well, uh, virtual reality, meaning uh, like Quest 2, Oculus, uh, headsets, it's that. But it's also okay. on, it's gonna be on PCs. Uh, it, it's on many platforms. Nintendo Switch, uh -huh. uh, Quest 2, uh, it, it is, it, and any future iterations, if there ever are any. Um, Wonderful. Uh, uh, PCs, Xbox, um, everything you can I mean, think Kendo's of. Microwaves, all... not yeah, microwaves. Yeah, um, Kendo, yeah, Kendo's. We're doing. I, we're also translating to, I don't know, like eight different languages or ten or something like that. Wow. So, so is there is there a release date for the game yet? Well, we're looking for around the first of November. We hope we're working hard Fantastic. to make it happen. And its and name so... is Colossal Cave. Just said, you know, that is what it is colossal cave so the big question i suppose uh -huh. is if this new game does well what happens mm -hmm. then is this the birth of a new sierra online will there be more games will you make more games or is this one and done get back on the boat back to <laughs> the, the thing i i i've asked this question all the time and so is ken and our answer is, it depends on how well this does. We think okay. it's going to do really, really well. Uh, we look at it and it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's a wonderful, it's a historical design. It's the same game I played back in 1980 that got me into this whole project in the first place. We're reimagining it. We're, we're putting it into modern days, modern times, but it's the same beautiful wonderful design but done with beautiful graphics it's it's completely um immersive it's completely immersive and sound and music and animation and narration and voices and i mean it's it's a wonderful game very wonderful game we we'll see how well it does that's the best i can do with the answer <laughs> fantastic <laughs> um that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for taking um, so much time out of your day and for, for joining me live live from the boat, um, live yeah, from the Pacific a, Ocean. I know. I mean, it's not. We're not very professional right now. I can tell that we're not. But uh, 
but uh, that's kind of the way we are a little bit casual and uh not at yeah, all it. I, would, I wouldn't have so it another way we get we we do games <laughs> exactly nice to meet you. Uh, um, thank you very much, um, Roberta. Um, I'm Bertie. This was One to One and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you all then. Thank you so much.